0: Hello, and welcome to Peaceful at Heart. My name is Cedric Merton, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we're going to take a closer look at the book, Peaceful at Heart, Anabaptist Reflections on Healthy Masculinity. We'll dive into the chapters and hear from the authors. We'll think a little bit more about what healthy masculinity looks like in our modern context. Joining us today is Harry LaFond. Harry, welcome and thanks for your work on the book so we can discuss it today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing, I'm doing well. It's a Friday afternoon here in Saskatchewan and uh, we had actual, actual sunshine. That always makes me feel good.
0: Nice. Yeah, that does sound good. I, uh, I wanted to say I really appreciated your, your personal approach to the chapter. I mean, um, this is this is my first time meeting you, but I, I feel like I already know a lot about you. Um, so thank you for that. Um, one, one thing that really stood out to me in your chapter, Harry, was uh, the story about your dad slipping on ice. And, and you said until that moment, you didn't know if you loved him or not. And, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what that shift was like for you.
1: Well, some some of that is uh, personality. Uh, my personality has always been uh, has always been uh, to question things and to try to uh, very independent uh, person. And my parents raised me that way, to be independent. Uh, I was free to roam. Uh, our uh our acreage uh, which is about a quarter of the reserve um, right from the time i you know i could uh, uh walk and find my way home um that i think uh, went against my uh against my dad's way of viewing me as a as an individual as a son because uh as I became a teenager, you know, 12, 12 13 years old, um, we fought, we fought, we fought well. <laughs> we fought like like the Dickens. And there was very little that I could do that pleased them. And there was, uh, there was, uh, a real anger in me, uh, to, uh, for some of his um, uh, his drinking habits and the way he uh, the way he treated himself, but also the way he treated uh, treated us at home, my mother and uh, uh, the the my younger brother. That uh, uh, we were we were the only ones at home at that at that time. So uh, that's sort of the background, you know, my, uh, and. Um, when I was about 13, 14 years old, uh, probably more like 13, I, I, um, I was convinced I couldn't love this man. you know there was uh, there was nothing between us. and this at this particular day, this Saturday evening, uh, we were coming home with my oldest brother and in, in his uh, half ton truck and he hit the ditch. He hit the ditch. There was a blizzard going on. There was blowing snow. There was snow banks on the road. And so he hit the ditch. And so he sent, there was a farm about a quarter of a mile from there, uh, the, the Willick farm. And so he sent us, sent my dad and I and me to walk over there to see if they would come and uh, pull us out. And my dad, of course, had been drinking all afternoon, and so he was uh, really not in not in shape to make this walk. Uh, as we got close to the farm, he hit a patch of ice, and he just went down. He went down, and I could hear the crunch, you know, of his head hitting the uh, hitting the ice. Uh, and uh, it's uh, looking down at him. And uh, you know, and and the fear that uh, that uh, coursed through my uh, through my veins at that particular moment, because I saw his face. He was looking at me, and it wasn't the face that I had been seeing. It was a face like, you know, help me, help me, and um, that that changed everything. Uh, it, there was something. Something happened to my emotional, spiritual self at that, at that particular point, and and uh, I realized that uh, I only have one dad, and he's lying there on the ice. And if I can't help him, he's gone. You know, he's he's gone. He's he, he'll freeze to death. This is Saskatchewan, and and so I managed to get uh, to help him to get up. And uh, I supported him, you know, the, the last p- part of the way to uh, to the Willick farm, uh, and um, and I've not looked back from that time. You know, I, I remember the uh, the anger, I remember the disappointments that I had experienced, but I uh, I realized, you know, if i if I couldn't learn to love this man. Then I was really uh, putting myself out, you know, as almost like an orphan, and so uh, I worked. I worked from that experience, uh, and um, and I ended up taking care of him at, uh, in his last few years. My wife and I moved here, and we took care of my mom and dad, and he was uh, we we watched over him, and uh, he and I became. Uh, a uh, father and son, you know, we talked to each other and uh, uh, we laughed together and, you know, and, uh, and uh, it, was a, it was a good relationship. You know, when he passed away, I felt as if, you know, we had, um, we had been successful as a father and son. And it's those kinds of experiences that have shaped my thinking, my, uh, my thinking about fatherhood. You know the importance of uh, of father son connections to uh, to um, break the cycle, break that cycle that uh, that uh, uh, that we lived in. You know, as a consequence of of history and and the damage done to our families.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, what I'm hearing from you is that there was a, a vulnerability, a uh, physical vulnerability that sort of broke that barrier down that you're able to to connect with your father a bit more. Um, that's, that's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about the uh, um, interview that I was able to watch uh, or the uh, common word book launch of, of Peaceful at Heart uh, that was filmed at the end of 2019. Um, and at that event, you shared that you've deliberately chosen to spend most of your married life on on the reserve community. Um, and so I'm, I'm wondering um, how much of your uh, oral history and family history that you, you share in your chapter came from from that part of your life? Or how much did you feel like you already knew uh, when you decided to to stick around with your reserve community?
1: Uh, <clears throat> I think uh, when when Jermaine and I first uh, uh, married, and we were both teaching in Onion Lake, uh, Onion Lake is a very traditional Cree uh, community, uh, a large community, Uh, and I had just come from uh, from experiencing uh, uh, a kind of uh, working with the Renaissance man, who's a man who came from Europe. Uh, he was, uh, his father was uh, Cree Shoshone and his mother was Italian. I'd come to, uh, I'd come to uh, North America to find his indigenous family and, and immersed himself. And so I had worked with this man for two years. And when I went to Onion Lake, it just kind of added on to that. And I realized, you know, that, um, that living on reserve is a good option. You know, it gives you. It gives. It gives more than uh, than uh, you would receive in a big urban center. Uh, number one, people care. People um, are not afraid to establish relationships. Uh, and uh, if I lived in Ottawa, uh, I lived there for t- uh, three years. Uh, I never made a friend uh, in the neighborhood. You know, people are just, just don't want to do that. I go to Onion Lake and everybody is my neighbor and everybody's talking to me and everybody uh, is friendly and, uh, you know, willing to help. So uh, when we started our family, Jermaine and I, my mom and dad needed help. We moved from Onion Lake to Muskeg, my home community, uh, and we uh, we set up a trailer, and that's how we started. And once we once we started living there, we realized this is where this is where we want to raise our family. We want our children to uh, experience relationships, experience friends, experience uh, uh, the. Um, uh, the opportunity to uh, to meet people who are immersed in uh, in Cree culture, Cree language, and and go to a school where uh, uh, their Cree is being celebrated and not uh, being ignored by the curriculum, and um, I, I I have never regretted that decision. Uh, I I see them now as grown ups, and they've uh, they've embraced. You know the uh, learnings that uh, we've given them. Uh, two of them have learned how to um, are are learning how to write syllabics, and they're exploring their Cree language. Uh, one actually wrote her uh, her master's thesis half in Cree and half in English. You know, so it's it's that's a gift that uh, that comes from living in 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 a reserve community.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's sort of one of the themes throughout the entire book of Peaceful at Heart is is finding finding that community and um, I I hear what you're saying about uh, you didn't find that in Ottawa and uh, I I currently live in Toronto and and I, I definitely understand the the urban the urbanites that uh, just keep on with their day and their head down and they're they're not always looking for community so um, it's really beautiful that you've been able to find that and experience that with uh, with Muskeg.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting is that uh, in the, in the in the last few years of, of living on this reserve, I've always been involved in the community. You know, I in many different areas. The, la, the what I'm working on right now with the community is this whole concept of wakwutwin—that's building relationships, building uh, connectedness—and what we what we're discovering is that it is the foundation of who we are as a people. Uh, if we wanted to, to write a constitution, that word itself would be the primary foundational word to that constitution. It it brings it brings to us what we believe about ourselves, about other people, about our relationship to to the land, to the uh, to the environment, and more important, most importantly, to our God, Mamuiohtawi <inaudible> Mao.
0: It's beautiful. Thank you. I um one one thing that I was thinking about a lot after reading your chapter, and, and what you specifically mention, is that jails are quickly replacing the residential school experience. Uh, and that's been weighing on me heavily. Uh, and so I looked up some articles, and, and a recent article that I found uh, by The Guardian states that. Thirty percent of inmates in Canada prisons are Indigenous, even though the Indigenous population only makes up five percent of Canada's population. I, I know there's no simple answer here, and and the system needs major changes. But what 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 do you see as the best support we can offer to our to our Cree neighbors, or or since we have viewers from all over, our, our Indigenous neighbors, and to our community members?
1: Well. First off, I think uh, the TRC has really uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and uh, uh, and the um, uh, the direction that it gives us as Canadians really needs to be uh, implemented in a way that uh, is uh, is uh, solid. It's there. It's from the ground up, and. Um, in the area of justice, Canada has to stop thinking that they have the answer to everything. They have totally ignored the systems of the indigenous people who, who for thousands of years, controlled, maintained, uh, and established uh, order in their uh, in their nations and in their communities and in their families, and they had very um, very loving ways of doing it you know there were some really tough measures taken uh you know if the uh if the uh, if the actions of an individual are warranted but underlying that always is that concept of of love of support and in the circle in the belief of the circle the worldview of the circle it's about inclusivity when you're when you, your circle is broken by an individual stepping out to do whatever it is that they do. It is the responsibility of the rest of the people in that circle to help that individual back in. Now, you don't see that in the Canadian justice system. Canadian justice system is about getting even, punishing, and it has no place in, uh, in, uh, in our culture. That's not the way we do things, and so if we're going to if we're going to uh, uh, if we're going to be able to do something and offer a solution to Canada, they have to back off, back off, and let us uh, uh, revive uh, our our systems and work with the justice system from a different perspective than uh, than imposition of uh of uh, exclusivity which is what what the justice system uh perpetuates in the court systems and in uh in the jailing of individuals.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I think that's really important to think more about um not not locking away our problems and thinking that it's dealt with it's these these are people. These are are um, part of our circle. Like you're saying, like we can't just um, lock them away and think that it's dealt with. I think I think that's that's true, and we need to think more about how we can push to make those kinds of changes. Thank you for sharing that, Harry.
1: And and the thing with uh, with that too is that uh, um, the Western system has all kinds of uh, sciences to uh, to that. Uh, uh, help the uh, the person. You know the the psyche of the person, the emotional health of the person, spiritual health of the uh, of the person. There's all kinds of studies and and experts in that field. Those experts exist in our communities now. Why is it that one has to feel as if they're superior to the other? You know, the most common a common sense thing to do is to is to work together. You know, learn to talk to each other and find out where you can help and where do you, uh, you, where your uh, partner can help an individual deal with uh, with uh, the skeletons, and, you know, of their uh, uh, of their being.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, when there's that superiority complex, that's I mean, that's just racism. That's we need to call it out when we see yeah, it. Yeah, it's a
1: nice way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, uh, in your chapter, Harry, you, you also talk a lot about how uh, life is a, a circular cycle, growing from, from boy to manhood, and, and even sharing that uh, great grandparent and great grandchild is, is the same word in Cree, uh, ans kocha panak. Uh, and um, how, how thinking about um, this cycle, how has that affected your opinion about what healthy masculinity looks like or how it could look like?
1: Well that when you uh, unpack the the, the uh, uh, that worldview it um, it really it really challenges many of the things that we believe about ourselves as Canadians this whole individualism that uh, that Canada, um, uh, has adopted as a way of being has really taken us to unpleasant places, you know, where, uh, where people uh, don't feel responsible for their neighbor, don't feel connected to their neighbor. And um, so in, in, the, um, in the cycle, um, it helps to define what a man is. It it, it built into that uh, into that circular system uh, are ceremonies uh, of transition, um, responsibilities of passing on knowledge, uh, a defining of what is uh, what a a little boy should be doing to become a man. I have one one of my sons has got a 13 year old right now and I'm really pleased to see him take take that son and he's taken him to ceremonies and he's he's exposed him to uh to what an uscapio that's a that's a helper uh, he's he's exposed him so to give him an opportunity to see if he uh, he. Uh, that's his place in life, it, you know, as being the helper to the ceremonies and to and to follow that way of uh, of believing. Those are the things that are part of that uh, cycle, and a lot of those uh, a lot of those elements have been under attack for uh, for the last hundred years, and um, and as a consequence, then our manhood. Our men are suffering. Our men are—they—they—they uh, they, they feel alienated from their families, from the community. And part of part of my uh, my feeling is that we have spent so much time uh, strengthening the women, and we've we've ignored the men. You know, if you listen to, uh, what's happening, you know, uh, across this country, it's, it's women, women, women. And and where are the men? Where are the, where, who's helping the men? Who's, who's stepping forward to, uh, to, uh, help those men find their place, find where they belong and, and learn how to be fathers? I went to a session uh, about four years ago in the United States. Fatherhood is sacred. Uh, And that was a term that really intrigued me. And uh, and it was interesting to listen to people who had been incarcerated, you know, and they were full of tattoos and, and they looked like that, you know led quite the life and yet they had found their way out because somebody took the time to help them to find out what a man is what being a man should be and how to uh, how to uh uh establish a place for themselves inside of the family and their communities it's beautiful beautiful and that's what we need to do here you know we need to help our men uh uh, find their place. And uh, you're not going to do that in jail. The only thing you find in jail is how to become a worse criminal, you know, to find the negative things of uh, of society.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, Harry, I We talked a little bit about your your dad already, but I wondered if if you had any other role models growing up and and if they left an impact for you on your vision of what healthy masculinity is or could be.
1: Well, it really helps to have uh, uh, an understanding mother. I've had, uh, a lot of my support has come from the women in my family. And it's not in any way to uh, to to take away uh, from the men in my family. Uh, I've learned a lot from the men. You know, I, I've learned about work. My family is a family of workers. How to take care of ourselves, and and we and, and we're passing that on to our, our sons and daughters. You know, they're all uh, they're all finding their own way and being independent. Um, but the women uh the women helped to shape me anyway uh my mother gave me a very strong sense of spirituality which has carried me throughout my life uh i have, you know i I've, I've been connected to my my spiritual self and, and it's it's an important part of who i am um it, my mother, uh, I think, uh, really, um, she was not a residential school survivor. She was a Métis woman raised by her grandfather, and she taught us about my grand, my great grandfather, uh, through her or her ability to tell stories and to remember details. So we had a really strong sense, you know, of uh, of the independent spirit of uh, of her, of her grandfather. And that was important for me, uh, and I I felt connected to that, even though I never knew him. He died way before uh, I was born, but I felt connected to him, and I felt that, uh, you know, that sense of independence was important for me to become uh, a healthy, uh, a healthy man, seeking to uh, do good in in my family, in my community and i think that come that came from the women that came from the women that sense of caring that sense of uh of um of um supporting
0: yeah wow thank you harry i i i wish we had more time there's there's only uh more questions that are coming to me instead but um I do want to thank you that you're able to to sit down with me today and to to talk a little bit about your chapter and a little bit about your life. But um, before we go, did you have any sending thoughts to send us into our day?
1: Um, you know, every every uh, every accident that occurs in our lives you know uh, the unexpected turn and and uh, uh, that we uh, we experience as as we go day to day with our jobs and our roads and our uh um this this has been an opportunity for me to really explore my own manhood and it's if if anything, this has become almost like ther- uh, therapy for myself, you know, that self uh, I become really aware of watching men, watching men, you know, work with their and I've seen some beautiful examples. You know, I, I watched uh, my former son-in-law with his 11 year old working together as he's a carpenter and he had his son with him, took him out of school and they built a ramp, you know, together. And I was watching them from inside, you know, just uh, uh, just that comfortableness they were they had with each other. And 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 an eleven year old who didn't want to shirk, you know, he was right in there. That's the kind of stuff I. It's made me aware of, and um, and, and I try to capture it when I talk to people, you know, try to get, you know, there is good out there. And we should look for the good, not for the bad. you know we should acknowledge the bad, but we should look for the good and and put it on a pedestal so people can learn. you know uh, there's enough negativity. We don't need more negativity. We just need let's find the good fathers of our communities and and have them share with us, you know what life is like for them.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's wonderful. And I hope that uh, our viewers at home are, are taking heed to that because I think we uh, should definitely follow that. Thank you, Harry. Uh, and, and I hope that you have a great day.
1: Yeah, you too.
0: Peaceful at Heart was recorded in the city of Toronto, the land covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. This is the dish with one spoon territory The Dish With One Spoon is a treaty between the Anishinaabe, Mississaugas, and Haudenosaunee that bound them to share the territory and protect the land. Subsequent indigenous nations and peoples, Europeans, and all newcomers have been invited into this treaty in the spirit of peace, friendship, and respect. We all eat out of the dish, and all of us that share this territory with one spoon. We want to acknowledge the ancestral lands and waterways of the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Seneca, the Haudenosaunee and the Wendat peoples. Takoronto is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis peoples. We wish to thank them and any other nations who cared for this land. Colonization is a continuing form of oppression So it is important that we acknowledge the lands and digital spaces that we are holding and taking up. We remember the acknowledged and unacknowledged, recorded and unrecorded, past, present, and future. We are all treaty people. Peaceful at Heart was produced and edited by myself, Cedric Martin. It was made possible thanks to Mennonite Central Committee, Mennonite Church Eastern Canada, Be in Christ Church of Canada, Theatre of the Beat, and of course, by Mennonite Men. To find more resources, head to Mennonitemen.org.